Welcome everyone to another episode of your Sister-in-Law podcast, a show where we discuss everything about the law, life, and innovation. I am your host, Kretendi, a mom, wife, sister, and above all, lawyer. Did you know that according to the recent UNICEF report, one in every three boys and one in every four girls is being harassed online? In this episode, we will be talking to our special guest, a digital wellness and online safety expert about the risks of cyberbullying, how parents can help their children stay safe online, and what schools can do to prevent cyberbullying. We will also discuss some of the signs that show if a child is being cyberbullied, what children can do to protect themselves, and what adults can do to help stop cyberbullying. This is an important episode for parents, teachers, and anyone who cares about the safety of children online. My guest today is my very special sister-in-law, Edith Otete, an attorney specializing in corporate, cyber, telecommunications and intellectual property law. She is a digital wellness consultant for children, families, schools and businesses to use the internet safely, securely, responsibly and productively. She is an award-winning business and parenting coach, author, mentor and child online protection expert. Thank you for joining me on this episode, Edith. Thank you, Rutendo. It's good to be here. All right. So would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your work? Thank you. Um, my background is in law, like you said. I have 21 years experience uh, as a lawyer, but I have also worked in the area of broadcasting regulation uh, as well as um, cybersecurity. I have now set up my own consultancy and training firm called Digital Wellness Africa with the friend Loveness Nlea. And um, we work with schools, like you mentioned, uh, mostly on digital literacy skills, uh, things to do with watching your digital reputation, your digital footprint, uh, as well as digital wellness. We also work with the parents of those children, their educators, uh, and the wider community. We also advocate for safer internet for for children especially realizing that more and more children are using the internet and so we provide resources support consultancy services as well as the training oh that's amazing so well according to a recent report that i saw from the itu they said over 800 million children are now on social media you know and Mm -hmm. Um, I think let's talk about some of the risks of cyberbullying. What are some of the things that parents should be aware of? Okay, so when it comes to cyberbullying, unlike traditional bullying where you would usually see the physical effects mm-hmm. or as it was happening, there could be witnesses who would see it happening and do something about it. The difference now with cyberbullying is that it ha- usually happens in very private spaces. Mm-hmm. So when parents see their children on their phones, 
um, sometimes they don't realize that there's so much trauma that the child is experiencing in what is supposed to be a safe space in the home, right under your nose. Um, what has, has been happening with young people, especially in Zimbabwe, uh, is that they have gone onto the internet without guidance, without guidance from adults um, who are more experienced and more knowledgeable. So you find that a lot of the things that they do, they, um, they, they think it's just child's play. Sometimes mm -hmm. they think, ah, oh, we're teasing each other. But the effect and the impact has been so, so great where um, some children struggle even with uh, coping at school because mm. they're now afraid to be in the space where the perpetrators of the bullying are also present. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then with other children, they've, become, they've lost their self-esteem because of the extent of the bullying. For example, if they're being uh, body shamed, Mm. Or if they're being because of lack of certain talents or because of um, deficiencies in, in their intellectual capacity, you'll find that their grades will fall, their self-esteem suffers, uh, their relationships also suffer. At, at its worst, you'll find that some of these children end up resorting to suicide mm. because they just cannot take it. Uh, and the unfortunate thing is because of that generational gap in um, the online experiences of our children and us as parents, because of that gap, the children don't feel like they can come to their parents, they can go to their parents for um, advice or to, uh, to let them know what is actually happening. And in some instances, they feel that they are at fault for the bullying. For instance, um, there was one young girl that we worked with who shared intimate images of herself with her boyfriend. And the boyfriend then went on to share those images with other people, resulting in her being shamed and mocked and cyberbullied. So because of the um, circumstances under which this then occurred, she felt ashamed to, to consult any adult about it. She was worried that it would get her into trouble. It would mean her phone would get taken away. She would lose her phone uh, privileges, um, among other things. So you, you find a lot of them are suffering in silence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they tell each other, this is just play. We're just playing. Don't be so sensitive. Don't be in your feelings. Uh, and so <laughs> they, they even you start know? feeling like, I have no right to feel the way I feel about this mm. treatment that I'm getting. So yeah, they, they do suffer in silence a lot. I totally agree with what you just said because my sister, or well, the last one in my family, she was a victim of cyberbullying, right? And when it came to her going back to school, she would always like bawl her eyes out, crying, I don't want to go back to school. And my parents, because of that generational gap, they didn't sort of understand, like, why don't you want to go to school? And she also didn't want to say why she didn't want to go to school, right? Until when she then opened up to one of my other sisters, they're closer in age, right? And then she said, you know what, every time I come back home, um, when I post my pictures, you know how these teenagers act cool and all that. She's like, you know, people start to then sort of uh, comment nasty uh, or leave nasty comments. And then when she would go back to school now, uh, the perpetrators would be like, okay, 
So you think you're clever. You're now back at school. We are now equal. You know, you are those that want to seem cool whenever they are at home and things like that. So she then got hectic, right? She couldn't manage. She didn't want to go to school. And then I, when my other sister shared with us, I then told my parents, I'm like, you know what? These kids are quite delicate, you know? Um, you can obviously mm -hmm. see with the way she acts, you can obviously see with the grades that this person just doesn't want to be in this environment, right? And um, even if you you, you uh, keep sending her back, you know, you're just putting her in that vulnerable position. You know, you never know what might happen. Let's take this matter seriously. Let's just transfer and then probably see if there could be any change, you know? And they ended up listening. And I don't know if there's, other children who are out there who are facing the same thing or if the parents are responding because parents are the first responders so and in the scenario that you mentioned if um, my teenage daughter then decides to send her nudes to her boyfriend and the boyfriend posts them publicly and she's being bullied or harassed at what point will she feel comfortable enough to come back to me and say ah uh, you know, mom, I, I, I sent some nude pics to my boyfriend. Obviously, I mean, culturally, the first thing for me as a parent to say is, why were you even having a boyfriend in the first place? You know, so yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. How can parents actually help their children to stay safe? And what are some of the things that parents can do to prevent cyberbullying? Yeah, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is, like you mentioned, the children that we are raising are very different from their parents um, in terms of the values, their outlook on life, the things that matter to them. They do seek a lot of validation online and they do have um, their identity in what their peers say about them uh, more, more than we did. And mm. I know it, it's just, it has sort of been the, trend as you go into adolescence that the your peers start to matter more but now um it, it has it has sort of exploded for them so they've got so much pressure to be liked and to be accepted by their peers mm. and what parents need to understand are those differences in dynamics uh, in terms of what our children are experiencing um as compared to what we went through at their at the same age as them um you also find that um a, a lot of the girls in particular mm -hmm. uh they in their willingness to belong they end up placing themselves in very compromising situations mm -hmm. uh, so as parents we need to be the the guide in, before we even become first responders we need to be the the people who lead them um, by, by um, sharing the values with them, by giving them, you know, that validation that they are so, so um, seeking after so much. Mm. So we we have to have a new way of parenting. <laughs> There's no right? other way to it. Yeah, we can't parent the same way that we were parented for, and the generations before parented. Because things have changed, um, and and I, I even say this even to the educators that you can't treat your your twenty first century students like the past students. They have evolved. We mm. have a different type of adolescent who has more information at their fingertips, who has access to the world, who has um, 
this sense of I know it all that is mm -hmm. inflated. So um, going down to their level helps. Um, mm -hmm. Getting to know more about your child, getting to know more about their interests, understanding what they struggle with, um, trying not to be judgmental, uh, showing them through your body language even that, look, uh, I, I love you, I care about you, mm -hmm. uh, you can always count on me as your parent to support you, even if um, you, you've done something wrong. Yes, I will respond accordingly. Yes, you you have to face the consequences. But you can always count on me to be your main source of support. And um, as we raise our children, say you've got more than one child, yeah. now it even um, matters more to not treat children the same. You really have to have personal relationships with each child, get to mm -hmm. know each child on a personal level because you, they have different experiences. They might have the same opportunities, live in the same house, have so many similarities. And yet the experiences, especially on social media, are totally different. The things that they do on their devices are completely, may be completely different. So you cannot actually prevent cyberbullying. That's the unfortunate truth. Mm -hmm. There is a possibility that as long as your child is on social media and, and they're connected, they, uh, there is a chance that they may become a victim of, of cyberbullying. So what you can do is to build their resilience, mm -hmm. build their, their fortitude, um, assist them by giving them um, the information that is necessary, like what, what you can do if you find yourself in such a situation. Uh, and just being that support system that they can keep coming back to as and when you know these negative things happen. And another thing that parents have to be aware of and really honest with themselves with is that in as much as your child can be a victim of cyberbullying, they too can be a bully. So Ooh. you also need to be on the lookout for that as well. Yes. That's true. Because as a parent, I mean, you could be going through your own things, right? And they actually don't realize that you as a parent, you could be some sort of a bully which has a negative impact on the child who then probably ends up being a perpetrator, you know? Mm, um, so you also spoke about the, the education system. What are some of the things that schools can actually do to create a safe environment for children? Okay, so now, because we, we like we said, we now have a, a new type of student mm -hmm. uh, and they're experiencing so many things in their uh, social and, and private lives, which have a, a huge impact on their education and academic success. Schools can no longer have that black and white in a box type of approach to their students. Uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, that parental, in, in local parentis role that schools have, it now extends even to the things that happen outside the school. So mm -hmm. what schools can do to complement what parents uh, may, may be doing at home and to really support the student, they can have um, different kind of strategies in the school, such as integrating digital literacy and um, digital citizenship skills into their curriculum, things to do with etiquette, um, how to be responsible online, how to treat other people online, what to do in, in the event of you being cyber bullied or in the event of 
um, being cyber-stalked and, and such things. Um, they can also assist with providing resources for the parents as well. Because, um, you know, sometimes because um, of the time that they spend with the children, uh, for example, schools that have school counselors, mm -hmm. they may have insights into what children are actually experiencing more than what the parent knows. So uh, as they come across um, reports or incidences of uh, related issues related to cyberbullying or any other uh, cyber threats, they can then also assist parents with that information and, and possible solutions. There has to be a partnership now between the school and the parent to really support the child to build a strong base for them in terms of principles and values, um, to also boost their self-esteem, build their resilience, mm -hmm. and, and, and prepare them to be a responsible and better digital citizen. They can also support uh, through uh, educating the teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the things that happen, um, there's an example that happened a few years ago. Uh, a child was in class and this child was struggling with uh, something in class. And the teacher kept calling them names. Like... Um, I don't remember the actual okay. words that were used, but you know, this was done in, in the presence of other students. So what then happened now, children were creating memes um, and sending to that child with the, the, the derogatory names attached to that. And the teacher, when ch the children would respond uh, laughing in class, the teacher would get excited and, and carry on with that bullying and mm. actually they were pouring more more fuel to the flames so there's also need to educate the educators mm. so that they really understand um, the, the gravity of the things that happen in class yes children who misbehave have to uh, be disciplined but uh, we really have to have emotional intelligence as educators as well mm. to outcome of our actions um, in terms of the, the overall student experience. I agree totally because, I mean, like the example that you just gave, um, the teacher could probably just be doing it subconsciously uh, and not mm -hmm. know some of the effects it might actually have because um, if it starts from there, it feels like it's an endorsement, you know? Uh, so it's quite easy for the children to then just, you know, carry it on. But it could be something that you can laugh about for the first instance, but if it carries on, it ends up being something that can negatively affect the child. And yet um, they'll be looking towards the educators as their safe space. So in light of that, what are some of the laws against cyberbullying and the resources available to help children who are being cyberbullied? Um, and with that, also, you can then also discuss the issue around um, images, sharing images of children without their consent and things like that. Because I guess that also then results to the exploitation and harassment online. Yeah. Um, okay, well, when it comes to, I'll, I'll take the, the later part of your question first. When it comes to in images, uh, in schools especially, I think it's just become common practice that we take pictures and post on, on social media platforms 
more for um, informational purposes as well as marketing for the school showing the different disciplines that are available. But you find that um, in some instances, there's the violations of child uh, protection policies. Um, one instance that I, uh, I came across, uh, some girls were playing volleyball um, and they were wearing very short skirts or shorts. And, and um, the photographer uh, seemed to, to take a delight in taking certain angles where either the child is bending over or they've got their legs lifted, but it was, they were very provocative images. Mm. Um, and shockingly, the school took those images and put them on their social media. Oh, so wow. uh, eventually the parents complained saying that um, those pictures uh, indirectly sexualized the children. Mm. And um, mainly because now from those images, because obviously other children from other schools would also see them. Their daughters were now being um, called names and mm. uh, they had people coming to their DMs asking them, can you do that post for me? I'll pay you for that. You know, it's just like really Lying. inappropriate things we're coming out of that. So as um, schools, we really have to be very cautious about the type of images that we put online. Mm -hmm. And also um, we need to have parental consent to the images being shared. It is not something that, I, I don't know of any schools that are doing it actively. Um, if they are, I'd really love to, to find out how they are doing it. But mm. I know it's, it's it's something that has been taken for granted for a very long time. And now in this era where we have uh, data protection laws, in mm. fact, we, we now have our Cyber Data Protection Act, we need to be very cautious of that. You can easily violate um, the law through not just the nature of the, the images, but generally sharing images without consent um, and, and also the uh, extent to which those images can be redistributed. Mm. We need to watch out for that. We have a duty as um, the people who own third-party uh, data images. We really have a duty in, in these institutions to be on the lookout for how far those images are shared. You know, now in, in the area of um, imaging technologies and these AI tools that allow for deep fakes, mm. you, you, don't, you never know um, what ha will happen with uh, the content that you're posting. So we really have to be a little more um, conservative in the way that we distribute and redistribute. When it comes to cyberbullying and and harassment, um, this is now definitely been criminalized criminalized in our laws, um, and any person that has been unlawfully or intentionally generating messages to other people is guilty of an offence, which is mm -hmm. uh, um, punishable um, through a fine or imprisonment. So it's a very serious offense in terms of our Zimbabwean law, not only Zimbabwean laws, but globally. And 
because we now live on a, on a global plane where everything is just basically equal in terms of opportunities to reach other people. Mm -hmm. We have to be even more cautious about um, the laws that not only um, apply to us as Zimbabweans, but the general laws worldwide. You find uh, like with um, young people, they sometimes think that if I am talking to someone who's outside uh, the Zimbabwean jurisdiction, then this new law doesn't apply to me, but it does <laughs> to mm. catch up with another. Yeah, so it's important to educate ourselves on um, the, these violations, the extent to which we may be held uh, accountable. And for those who are in charge of young people to also um, inform them of how serious issues like cyberbullying are. You can be arrested and you can um, be asked to pay a fine. Mm -hmm. And you don't want a criminal record over something that you could avoid. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's usually the, the message that I, I would like to share that as adults who are in charge of young people, we also have to lead by example. Mm -hmm. A lot of the bullying is even happening within the workplace, within our circles, WhatsApp, Twitter, mm -hmm. Facebook. There's a lot of cyber bullying that is also happening between adults. And the more we we do that, the more the young people who are watching us think it's okay. Mm -hmm. And yet it is actually immoral and illegal. And I totally agree with you on that, especially when it comes to the parent side, because I feel like as parents, we are just too excited about our children so much that we do a whole lot of sharing, you know, um, your mm -hmm. child is wearing a nice little outfit or whatever, probably it's a little crop top or whatever it is you post. Your child is doing this, you post, you know. It's quite risky nowadays to just post anything and everything about your child or your children, you know, because you never know where the mm. picture is going to end up. You never know how people are going to probably sexualize the picture and just make the whole thing mm. negative, you know. And also because the internet doesn't forget, you know, I see a whole lot of uh, influencers also, their children are mm -hmm. being attacked nowadays. And I'm just like, guys, are you even aware that this child is going to grow up and this child can actually read now. They'll be able to see some of the comments you put on um, the mother's picture, if it's a picture of themselves and things like that. So I really feel like mm -hmm. as, as citizens, you know, whether you're a parent or whether you're not, you should be able to understand the implications or the repercussions of, you know, just commenting negatively or just being someone mm -hmm. who's not aware of um what to say or how they should say it online so i really appreciate mm -hmm. you and your time for making uh for making time for this conversation it was quite informative i don't know do you have any parting words before we close off thank you um well you know there's something that has been tugging in my heart for a little while and uh, it is just how we have let technology sort of be a driver in how we behave, how we react, how we treat each other. And yet it is supposed to be a tool, a tool that is supposed to help us with our productivity, our communication and so forth. So my um, 
parting words would be that we need to have a shift. We need to just wake up as, as a people and, and accept the realities of what being constantly connected is doing to us, what effect it is having on our relationships, uh, on our workflow, um, our productivity, even our health, physically, emotionally, mentally. Mm. And, and and that parental role where you, you things get to a point where a young person um, succumbs to depression and anxiety and, and even to, to suicide. You know? so we need to do better. We need to do better as parents, educators, as a community um, to ensure that we have a, a healthy relationship with technology. We, we treat it as the tool that it is. Um, we do not become prisoners of our phones to the extent where we lose sight of what is happening around us, where young people are losing themselves, losing their lives, um, losing their confidence, and so, so much more. So I, I urge all parents, um, educators, the young people themselves and the community at large to be more self-aware, to self-regulate, to disconnect from time to time and to really focus on what matters at the end of the day. Thank you very much, Ritendo. You're welcome, Edith. I appreciate you so much. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We hope you found this episode helpful. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to leave them.